we bless you for your incredible kindness and goodness to us. We give you the worship that you so deserve. And we ask as we come to study your word that you would speak to our minds, to our hearts, and to our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Phil. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for coming to what is a special service for Liz and I. Five weeks ago, I was unsure whether I'd be standing on this platform today. But thank God I am. Through the prayers that have been answered, through the doctors, through the medication, and through a wonderful physio, I stand here today to bring to you my last and final sermon. It's uh, such a thrill to have our family with us here today for such a special occasion. Some members of our dance group, thank you so much for coming. It's made my day. And for people who've traveled quite a distance to be here, to join in what is a celebration, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to share with you a message that God has been stirring in my heart since he spoke to Liz and I over a year ago about moving on from kings. He drew me to Philippians chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. If you have a Bible app, then please, Philippians chapter 1. Over the past 16 years, I've been known on some occasions to have three key elements (laughs) in my sermons. And on such a special occasion, I thought it would be rude not to. (laughs) So as we look at this chapter, Paul looks back, then he looks at the present, and then he looks into the future. And as he looks back, his heart is filled with gratitude. Verses 3 to 5, he writes this. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul was first of all grateful for the memories. Here are the top five things that people forget in life. First, number five, they forget what they say. The fourth, they forget telephone numbers, often their own. Thirdly, they forget people's faces. Secondly, they forget where something is. And the top answer that people most often forget is someone's name. True story is told of these three old sisters who lived together. And one was up in the bedroom and she shouted, I'm up here and I don't know what I've come up for. The next one, she was halfway up the stairs and she says, I'm halfway up the stairs and I don't know if I'm going up or coming down. And the final sister says, I'm so glad I'm not like you two. Touch wood. I'll be up in a minute as soon as I answer the door. (laughs) 
Paul never forgot, it will come, just let it sink. (laughs) Paul never forgot the church at Philippi. He says, every time I remember you, every time I think of you, I thank God for you. There was a lot of affection and passion between Paul and the church at Philippi. But who was he thinking of? He could have been thinking of Lydia, of Thyatira. And she was yearning for God and she was open for God to speak. And she was by the riverside this day and God prompted Paul to go and meet Lydia. And as they met together, Paul led Lydia and her whole household to faith and he baptized them that day. What a memory. Was he thinking of the demon-possessed woman who followed him in Acts 16? Paul recognized that this spirit was an evil spirit. And so he addressed the evil spirit and this woman was set free to live life to the full. What a memory. Could it be the jailer and his household? Acts 16 Paul and Silas are in prison because they were preaching the kingdom of God. And they were chained and they were in the inner cell and it was cold and it was dark. But at midnight, they had a praise party and they worshipped God. And they allowed the prison to become a platform where they could find the purpose and the power of God. And the power of God came, as you well know, the doors were open, the chains were broken, and Paul and Silas were free. And as the jailer looked at Paul and Silas, he recognized that this was the work of God. And he says to Paul, what must I do to be saved? And the jailer and his household, they came to faith in Christ And they were baptized. What a memory. As Paul looked back, he thanked God for the memories. He thanked God for them and the privilege of being part of their lives. And as Liz and I prepare to leave Kings today, we are so grateful for the memories that we take with us. And we're so grateful for the privilege that we've had of being part of your lives over the past 16 years. We are so grateful to God for every mountaintop that we've experienced together. And we are profoundly grateful for the privilege of walking through the darkest valleys with many of you. For every one of you that made your valley that made your prison a platform where we saw the grace, the kindness, and the power of God. And you know who you are. You do know who you are. You have impacted our lives forever. And as we leave, we will never be the same again. We look back and we're grateful and thankful for the memories. Secondly, as Paul looked back, he thanked God for the joy that they had brought into his life. He says, I always pray with joy. Now, this is astonishing. Paul was in prison 
in Philippi. He was flogged and he was beaten. But when he thought of Philippi, it brought great joy to his heart, not pain, because he remembered the good times with the church at Philippi. And when we think of kings, rest assured that we'll be with great joy. We are grateful for the joy of baptizing so many people over the years. We're grateful for the joy of seeing people married, children born, children dedicated. We are so grateful to God for the joy of seeing the vision of this church building become a reality. Your sacrificial giving has and continues to bring, in a, to bring Liz and I great joy. And as we look back and as we think of kings, be assured of this, it will bring a smile to our face. And for that, we will be grateful. Thirdly, as Paul looked back, he was grateful and thankful for the partnership in the gospel. The word partnership here is the word kenonia in the Greek which speaks of deep fellowship. It speaks of a oneness. It speaks of commitment and accountability to someone or to some cause. Paul was in partnership with the church at Philippi to serve Christ, the church, and to reach the community for Jesus. And it was costly. And Paul never forgot the sacrifice and the commitment to that partnership. And we are so grateful for the partnership that we have had here at King's for the past 16 years. As we've sought to serve the church, as we've sought to serve the local community, and as we've sought to serve Jesus. I'm grateful for our partnership in mission, as we've served God together in evangelism. Some of us remember the Park Day Fun Days or the Love in Action Days, Amersham Carnival, Extravagant Gift Store, Big Day Out, Alpha Courses, or Community Care Services, the church activities on a weekly basis. I'm so grateful for the opportunity of partnership and mission over these years when we have led many to faith in Christ. I am so grateful for my partnership with the core team. The core team was myself, Paul, and Jane. And we didn't plan this, but we almost met on a daily basis. And uh, we laughed a lot together, and we cried a lot together. We enjoyed every mountaintop and we endured every valley and I'm going to miss you both more than words can say. I'm also grateful for the partnership team, the staff team. During my time here at King's, I've worked with 27 different members of staff. Some have been full-time, some have been part-time, some have been volunteers, and it's been a privilege and it's been an honor to lead them. It's been both challenging and yet it's been great fun. I'm grateful for my partnership with the eldership team. 
Yesterday, I didn't have the last supper with the eldership team. I had the last Scottish breakfast that Paul cooked for us. And there was black pudding and there was haggis. And it was a very special time with my eldership team. And I am so grateful that they have trusted me to lead this church under the guidance of God and under what God has called us to and to be the trust and the loyalty and commitment and support over the past 16 years has been greatly appreciated. I'm also grateful for my partnership with the trustees, those who know me and know me well. Finance is not my strong point. Neither are documents on risk assessment and health and safety and legal matters. So when the trustee board was established and Andy Burton became the chairman, I for one was so grateful. And I constantly thank God for their gifting and their commitment to serve the church. And so often it's behind the scenes. Liz would like to come and just say her thank you for the partnership that she's had here at King's. Um, mainly, um, is this on? Is it on? When, when I first came to the church with Paul, I remember the very first time I walked into the old building, the old chapel down in Old Amersham. And I was in a tender place. And Tim... And I didn't know if I really wanted to be here in Hammersham because I'd left my heart in Bournemouth. And the Lord gave me this amazing picture, a vision of a cross in that old chapel. And from that cross, I could see red drops of blood. And as I looked closely, they were in the shape of a heart. And he said to me, my heart is here in this place. And I want you to bring my heart, my father's heart, to this place. And I want you to be here because I'm going to bless you and I'm going to strengthen you. And I'm going to put people around you that are going to bless you. And he has. And I want to thank God especially for the ministry team. I love these guys so much. We've already had a lovely time this morning together an awesome time and it's really been hard to say goodbye to them but I want you to know this ministry team I would trust my life with and I want you when God prompts you to trust yourselves to them to pray with you to speak into your life to bless you because they are God chasers they are really, every single one of the ministry team are God chasers. And I want to thank God for them all. I love them all. I love you as a church. I want to thank you so much for showing me more of Jesus, for stretching me, <laughs> for calling me, for allowing me to minister to you. And thank you for being a blessing. So thank you for your partnership to us and we definitely will miss you. Thank you. I'm so grateful for all these uh, partnership 
but there is one above them all that I'm so grateful for, and that is my partnership with Liz. In life and in ministry, Liz, your faith in God and your passion for God and your desire for God, your commitment to me and to the ministry that God has called us to over 35 years now has been inspirational. And I'm grateful to God for the way in which we've served together in ministry over the past 35 years. And I'm so excited about going in this zip wire with you (laughs) and with God. Uh, We don't know where it's going to take us and we don't know how long it's going to take us, but we're going together. And we are thrilled as we enter this new season that we will still be in partnership with Kings. Uh, We have launched our new website this weekend, Encounter, Heart to Heart. Everything is on there from the heart of God to the heart of the people, our story, our vision, our values, our itinerary. We have a testimonial page. We have an information page. uh, We have a support page. If you want to pray for us or give to us financially to help the ministry that God has called us to, it's all there on the new website. So please have a look, log in. And Liz and I are so, so grateful to Phil, who's brought together this website. He's been absolutely amazing. And we thank you for the partnership, Phil, that we've had together over these months. John Piper writes, genuine thankfulness is an act of the heart's affections, not an act of the lip muscles. Secondly, as Paul looked at the present, he did so with confidence. He writes this, being confident of this, that he who's began a good work within you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in change or defending on confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how, lo- how I long for you all with deep affection in Christ Jesus. The word confidence here It speaks of being sure of, being certain, being without doubt. Now, Paul's confidence was based on two things briefly. First of all, his confidence was based that God had started a good work within them. Since their conversion, Paul had saw the evidence of God's grace, of God's love, of God's spirit working within their lives. And Paul is in great pain to emphasize that this work is not from him, but it's from God. It was God who began the good work within them. It was God's initiative. It was God who made the first move. It was God who was at work by his spirit, challenging them to go from one degree of glory to another. On Pentecost Sunday, I couldn't come uh, because of my back. So I'm lying on my mat in the lounge. And I thought, let's watch the Pentecost service on the television. So I turned on the television and it was from an Anglican church in Nottingham. And it was a very lively Anglican church. They sang all their songs and it was just like being at King's. And then the vicar came up to speak. And I looked at this young vicar and I thought, I know you. I know you. 
Lord, who is this vicar? And the Lord reminded me, this vicar was a little boy in the Sunday school where I was ordained in Barnstable, North Devon, and he came to faith in Christ. And here he is, 35 years later, leading this awesome church under the guidance of God's Spirit. And I tell you, I was so excited. I went on Facebook, I went on Messenger, I went online, and we're now corresponding together. I said, Mark, I am so thrilled with the work of God in your life. And I want you to know as we leave Kings and as we look around this church today, we're excited and we're encouraged that God's at work within each of you. Paul writes to the early church and he reminds them, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared for us in advance. Church, I want to remind you, if you need reminding, I want to encourage you that you are God's handiwork and God has prepared a work for each of you to do. And Liz and I are leaving kings Because God is at work within us. And often when God's at work, we need to come out our comfort zone. We need to embrace change. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we want to encourage you to do. As individuals, as an eldership team, as a church. Come out your comfort zone. Allow God to work in you and through you. Embrace change enthusiastically. Do they go together? In God's vocabulary, they do. Embrace change enthusiastically, knowing that God knows and sees the bigger picture. When I was preparing this talk, I felt the Lord say, tell them to get ready, to get prepared for me to do a work in them and through them. Remember what Paul said to the church at Corinth? He says, no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those that love him. But in these days, he's revealing it by his spirit. And you are entering a time, church, of deep revelation under the leadership of Paul. Deep revelation with regards to vision and strategy. You're entering a time where there will be an increase of God's work in you and through you. And for one, I can't wait to see what that will look like. Secondly, Paul's confidence was in the fact that God's work would be complete. Some guarantees aren't worth the paper they're written on. Paul says, here's a guarantee that will never fail. He who has begun a good work within you will bring it to completion. Jesus will build his church. Jesus, by his spirit, will change us from one degree of glory to another. And that masterpiece of our lives will be complete when he returns to take his church. On the sound of the trumpet, the twinkling of an eye, Everything will be complete. Until then, be patient, Paul says, because there's still work to do. Rick Warren writes, God wants to do a deep work in us before he can do a great work through us. 
And as we leave, we leave with great confidence that God is at work within you and he will bring it to completion. Thirdly, my time's almost gone. Paul looked into the future and he prayed for the church. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's prayer had three aspects. First of all, he prayed that the love would abound. Paul says this love is not cosmetic. It's not surface. It's deep and it's meaningful and it's radical. And it will not only change your life as individuals, but it will change and impact the community in which you live in. Paul says, I know you love each other, but I want you to raise the bar. I want your love to expand and to stretch and to go. Over the past 16 years, Liz and I have been recipients of your extravagant, unconditional, forgiving love. And for that, we're grateful. But as we leave, our prayer for you is that your love would abound more and more. That it would grow and it would expand and it would flourish. It would be infectious. It would be irresistible. It would be contagious to the point that the community would be impacted by the love of God in and through you. You see, the church without agape love is like a cinema without a film. It's like a rock concert without a band. It's like a premier football match without a ball. It's like a restaurant without any food. It's a high-definition plasma screen without a plug. The church without agape love is empty, meaningless, and ineffective. And our prayers we leave is that you will continue to grow and abound in that love. Secondly, he prayed that they would grow in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul says, I want you to grow in love, and this is how you do it. The growth comes through knowledge and discernment. The Message Bible reads this, you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Shakespeare once said that love is blind. That is not true with the love that is expressed within the church. God's love brings insight and vision, action, direction, love and knowledge often go hand in hand. And if you love someone or something, you want to know more as much as you can for the one that you focused on. And the more you know, the more you love and the more you love, the more you know. Paul says, ask for insight and discernment and understanding how you might demonstrate the unconditional, extravagant, outrageous love of God to each other and to the community. 
This isn't profound, nor is it deep, but it's true. What the enemy dreads most in a church is a church not only filled with the theology of God's love, but a church that's filled with the experience of God's love. A church that lives in reality of 1 Corinthians 13. And we are praying that your love would abound more and more knowledge and insight. And most of all, we're praying that God will protect your love in the days to come. Finally, thirdly, he prays for the distinctiveness. When when Paul talks about living a life that was pure and blameless, he's talking about living a life that is more and more like Jesus. You see, the word pure here in the Greek comes from the word refined. And it's used in the context of gold, pure gold, which was refined from all its impurities to make it the gold that it was. And the word blameless means without offense. Its root means not to cause one to stumble. And Jesus was pure and blameless. And Paul says the good work that God has started within you, the good work that God is doing is one of refinement to make you more like him, pure and blameless. And the more open we are to his spirit, the more he will refine us and purify us to become more like the one we love and the one that we serve. And the more we look like Jesus, the less of a stumbling block we will be to people being drawn near to him. None of us are perfect. We are still in a work of progress. But if we're open to his spirit, then he will come and he will change us from one degree of glory to another. And the fruit of righteousness, of rightful living, will be seen for the glory of God. Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham, said this, being a Christian is more than a conversion experience. It's a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Jesus. And our prayer is that you will be so distinctive that you will be like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are praying that your light would shine even brighter than the beacon that we have believed for for years. So as we leave on this special day, we thank God for the memories. We thank God that he's at work within you and through you and he will bring it to completion. And we will continue to pray as we leave kings that your love would abound more and more. And that love would be demonstrated in reality, not only here in the church, but in this lovely community that we seek to reach for him. So as we leave, we are so grateful for the past 16 years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.